So that's what I'm saying. The text is like an object. It's gonna change perspective based on where you're standing. I don't know. Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I missed you, baby sweet. It was a day. Hmm? It was a day. Please tell me you're seeing this too. From Seattle, we are drinking the movies. I'm Taylor Baker. And I'm Michael Clausen. Mm. What are we drinking today? It is called Valhol Midsomar Cherry Wheat. It's a Hefeweizen brewed in Polsbo, Washington. It is a good pick. We are discussing Midsomar, so why not some Midsomar beer? Good find. And it's delicious. It's very good. Great pick. This was at the grocery store? No, this was at... Growler Guys. Growler Guys. Just up the way. Good find. I like it. So we're going to do some first impressions. We got Jumanji and Knives Out. We're going to start with Jumanji, the next level. Here we go. Bethany? No, no, no! Rich? I'm the old fat dude. This can't be happening! My hip sure feels good now. Look at my thighs. Look at your thighs. Look at my thighs. Okay, we have some issues here. The game is busted! It was a game. I'm not it. I don't want to be it. Welcome to Jumanji! All right, Michael. That was Jumanji The Next Level. What do you think? All right. So I did not see the first Jumanji. You did. Uh, I think it looks like the crowd-pleasing popcorn flick that I might have expected it to be. It looks like fun. Um, What about you? Does it look like uh, a step up from number one? A step down? Same. Same consistency. It's as good as fun for the whole family films get. I a little think, something for everybody? At the moment. Yeah. You know, like, there's action, there's comedy. You get to watch Danny Glover and Danny DeVito inside of Kevin Hart and Dwayne Johnson. Karen Gillan gets to continue her action star career as one of... She's got to be one of the highest grossing actresses in the last three years. If you think about Avengers, both of them, the Guardians of the Galaxy film, and then both these Jumanjis, like, she's making bank. Which Avenger is she? She plays Nebula from Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, one of the daughters of Thanos. Got it. Yeah, she's doing okay. She's doing pretty good business. It just looks like fun. This is something that I'd like to take my parents to go see, and I wouldn't regret watching it like I did with Captain Marvel or Night School or... Mm. Any of these other things that I can also take them to. This is like, mm-hmm. you know, that that level of good. It's a six. It's a seven. Yeah. It's nice. I think I missed the release date. I assume this is a summer release. This is Christmas. Oh, this is Christmas. Oh, interesting. Oh, that is actually going to be just fine. Family movie, you know, on the day after Christmas or the day of even. Yeah, I would think this will be a hit. Exactly. It'll be the vice of this year. <laughs> there you go. And now to Knives Out. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to request that you all stay until the investigation is completed. What? Can we ask why? Has something changed? No. No, it hasn't changed, or no, we can't ask. All right, we just watched the trailer for Ryan Johnson's Knives Out. Thoughts? I know less now than I knew before I watched that trailer. Oh, I'm right there with you. It's like, I love the quips, I love these people, I love the cast, I love Amadarmus being the third-billed actor. What the hell is happening there? 
Blade Runner 2049 is doing good business for her. But like what what is the genre? I thought it was going to be a little bit more actiony maybe. Um mm-hmm. a la Free Fire, if you remember Free Fire with Killian Murphy oh, yeah. and Brie Larson. I was thinking maybe a little bit more along those lines. I don't quite get the tone of the film. I am right there with you. You took the words out of my mouth. Um, I mean, I'm still very um, eager to check it out. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that I'll want to see it. But, um, you know, it goes without saying the ensemble is impressive. Uh, Kind of comedic, uh, yet thrilling kind of a mystery. Um, I don't know that I have a great sense for what this is all about yet. Um, Or like if it's going to come together. Yeah, yeah. Um, reminds me a little bit of um, n- now that we've watched it, it reminds me of the bad times at the El Royale mm, and like yeah. how it was like trying to be this mass um, conglomeration of, of actors with like a plot at the center of it, but maybe it won't quite hold the way that that yeah, didn't quite yeah. hold. Yeah, I mean, I guess the optimistic view is that, like, it is kind of so unique that it's just a little hard to package in a trailer. But it's not That's... unique. It's a whodunit. <laughs> you know, it's it's Agatha Christie. We've yeah. we've seen these before. They're in the middle of production of Death of Death on the Nile uh, with Kenneth Branagh and Daisy Ridley for the, the sequel to The Murder at the Orient Express. You know, like, we've seen whodunits in recent years. Yeah. We should have a bit of a feeling about, like, the tone other than comedy. Yeah. And it's quite the resume he has between Last Jedi and Looper. You know, Looper is one of the greatest sci-fi time movies in like the last decade, probably. And I yeah. just don't know what to do with this film. So yeah. Far. Um, sounds like jury's out here. Yes. Let's uh, let's get to Crawl. All right. The jury is in. The state of Florida has issued a Category 5 hurricane warning. All residents must evacuate immediately. Grab your families, your loved ones, and get out. Dad! We won't be able to come for you. Dad! Crawl. You dislike this film even more than me. I think that's right. Yeah, I, I gave Crawl a one and a half. You gave it a two? Yep. Yeah. Um, it's directed by Alexander Aha. You want to lay the groundwork here very quickly? What um, Crawl's all about? So, first things first. Apparently, the basement that it's set in is not a basement you could find anywhere in Florida, which I find hilarious. That's like the number one thing that you'll see if you like Google crawl, or at least when it came Mm. out was like the director getting criticized for it, not being like what an actual basement in Florida looks like in any way. Um, But basically there is a girl who every time she is about to compete, needs to tell her father, she's the apex predator Mm -hmm. and she competes in swimming and then she is distant from her father for no reason that is ever found out. Not really. Not in um, any meaningful way. And then her father is not answering the phone. And her sister tells her to go to not go find the father. So she goes to find the right. father. And then we proceed to uh, see some alligators bite some people and murder them. And then not murder the people who are our main characters because then they would be dead. There you go. I can't remember if we watched Crawl for first impressions, or maybe we just talked about it after. We each... talked about it because we we watched the trailer for, um, uh, like Ma, maybe 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That could be. It was maybe in front of that. Yeah. Um, I had the expectation that this was going to be a little more, or a lot more, just kind of stylish and, like, uh, uh, kind of more sincere than it actually was. Um, you mean that the screenplay wouldn't be dog shit? That is also true. Um, or do you mean, like, any level of good camera work? Also true. It, it does, for one, just uh, look terrible. I thought it just but then there's like a was moment, painful on the eyes. Like, there was one moment in the basement where he's got, like, that weird staff thing that he's using with the flashlight hanging from it. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, lighting the water. And, like, just that mm-hmm. single shot, like, looks really, really cool. And it, it, I was like, oh, my God, the whole movie looks so bad. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it does. that's what the good cinematography in this movie makes you think like oh wow this whole thing's shit yeah yeah um yeah just was was never particularly thrilled by it gators themselves i thought looked okay um yeah, i didn't have any qualms with them yeah um and i think that they the actors did do a good job behaving as if they were interacting with cgi it's always hard when you know and this is the kind of material that they have to work with um yes. you know it's it's a hard thing to judge but they also i mean they could have done better casting wise not to speak ill of either of them but I, I just don't feel like either was really a fit to drive a project that is so singular and character based mm-hmm. like i didn't feel like anything was true that either character said yeah yeah and and that mm-hmm. just gets doubled and tripled by the effect of them getting bit again by an alligator and being fine yeah uh, it's the kind of thing that, like, I really wanted to work, you know, just as, like, an original screenplay, a creature feature, uh, that you're just not getting, like, in theaters, really, that much anymore, mm-hmm. um, that I just wanted to, uh, uh, be a little more, um, uh, serious in a way. Like, I did find the back half funny, and I did instinctively kind of, I did laugh on multiple occasions, but I also- I did, too. Um, it, did you think that that was, were you laughing with it or were you laughing at it? I was laughing at the absurdity of it. Right. And, and I don't know if it knew how absurd it was or not. Because it's Sam, Sam Raimi produced it. And I don't, I don't think Alexander Aha is suited to this in any way. Like he needs like macabre from yeah, start to I agree. finish. He can't. I think it should have been more macabre. Yeah. Like he can't do this like weird sentimentality shit. Yeah, that, yeah, none of that works at, yeah. at all. It needs um, to just be like, there's someone dying, there's someone else dying, and the dying person's going to go try to save the dying person, and then like have him catalog that. Yeah, instead yeah. of the the weird emotionality, and then ending with like the super heroic fucking superhero pose. Yeah, yeah, which is fade out. It was right about when they they get out of the house, and he's the father is looking out over kind of the water between them and the gas station, and. It's swarming with gators, and he says, I think we can make it. That, you know, the whole kind of audience laughed, me included. And that's the um, other thing, right? The end credits. The see in a while crocodile. Oh, right, right, right. Right. Later yeah, alligator, yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. It, it switches in tone right there. And yeah. it's like, where. I don't know where they decided to switch tone. Was yeah, I supposed I to be laughing the whole time? Because they lit it wrong for that. Yeah, I mean, I... Like, there's a way to light camp, I think. Yeah. And they didn't do that. 
I agree. I think the first half, kind of up until that point, maybe it's a little over halfway, is played very straight. And then as soon as that came around and she's out swimming the gators, I kind of felt like it was trying to sort of take advantage of that instinct to laugh at it um, in a way that, like, I'm like, I don't know that, like, you're doing this with any conviction anymore. And you're you're kind of, like, trying to... Um, and, like, should I have been laughing at the sets? Because, like, I, yeah. I, like, started to think I should. Yeah. Like, just at yeah. how set it looks. Yeah. Like, it's so clearly a fucking set. Definitely. Right? Very, very... It's, and, like, the, you the can, artifice you can seriously see, like, the fan blowing water at one point. Like, I swear to God, the fan must have been edited in post, because you can see where nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden, like, over here... Like, about three feet away from it, there's just jetting water that's falling down. And it's like, there's clearly a fan right there. Yeah. I was thinking back to our camp episode, and when we watched and talked about, uh, it was Love in the Time of Monsters, right? And how a movie like that, I was initially a little skeptical about, like, how it was intentionally being camp. I was like, I don't know how well intentional camp kind of works. But in hindsight, I really like how, like, frank and, like, it just owns its campiness. That is kind of the point. It's more than being sincere and earnest. It's, like, it's communicating to you how it takes itself. Right, right. And this did not do that until the fucking credits. Right. I kind of felt like this was maybe, like, calculated to get people to kind of think they're laughing at it when when that was kind of the intent maybe in the first place and i was like i i don't i don't know that i really i do kind of question like how much is just packaging after they realized what they had didn't work yeah yeah Yeah. uh yeah maybe like what what was the original vision versus where they kind of ended up and like when did sam raimi visit the set and go oh we need to (laughs) yeah um You've seen some of his other movies, right? Uh, Sam Hills, Raimi? Uh, no. Alexander Aha. Um, Hills Have so, Eyes, right? Yeah, I've seen The Hills Have Eyes, and it's an incredible film still. Um, and I think that I watched High Tension a long time ago, and I just don't remember it, but I think he wrote that film? I can't mm. remember. But I, I do think that I might have like a good triangulation of like what Aha can do. And I think that he can do a lot. I just don't think that this is... I think... Th- Whatever structure was here is not the structure that he thrives in. To me, he's yeah. more of an Andrea Arnold, where like you just need mm-hmm. to let them go do a project yeah. that yeah. is in line with their tone. They need to get the shots that they that they tell stories through, because mm-hmm. everyone tells a story differently. Yeah, and I don't think that this is how Aha tells the story. Like when I think about the best parts of The Hills Have Eyes, it's nothing like Crawl. Yeah, like, I think I would have rather had Sam Raimi direct this. I agree. Um, I agree. And had it be absurd from the start. Yeah. I haven't seen his Evil Dead. I saw his But film, you've seen uh, Drag to Hell? Drag Me to Hell. Drag me to I hell. love that movie. Yes, um, me too. And I, I think, think everyone does. Yeah, um, I think it, it is scary in certain ways, but it also is super funny. And it's, um, it's like, open and honest about its humor. Whereas I think the humor here is, like... Um, trying there's there's something a little um, uh, phony about it. Um, I just don't appreciate it. Like uh, like I should have, I should have laughed when the boat goes back in the house. Right. I should have mm-hmm. because I was like, there's no way they can afford to get in a boat and like do that shot. And yeah, then sure yeah. enough, they end up back in the set, and I was like, of course. 
But like, yeah. it didn't make yeah. me laugh so much as just like, is it over yet? Because like, yeah. I got Wild Rose. I'm gonna go see Wild Rose. I want to go see Wild Rose. <laughs> it's a short movie. It did feel a little long to me. Just crazy. It I think yeah. it's less under an hour. I think and it's one twenty eight. Yeah. Yeah. I would not have guessed that had you not told me. <laughs> uh, yeah. So generally, a bummer. Correct. Do you have any thoughts on the performers? I've already illuminated my um comings with them. I would certainly grumble more about the material that they're given rather than what they do with it. But I also wouldn't run out to see what they do next. Hmm. You? Would you? Would you swim out though? Would you be the apex predator? Uh, I would dog paddle. Hmm. <laughs> I would remember be no, no splashing. That's how they find you. That's right. That's right. I think that that's uh, that's enough crawling around with this one. All right. I always come back to the old house. What if it's empty? What if we just peeked inside? We could throw parties. You could put on one of your plays. We could yell. It is this house. Our old house. That's not your old house, and that's not your neighborhood. Hey, if you're going. San Francisco. That's right. Directed by Joe Talbot, I believe is mm-hmm. his name. I think it, it, it's a debut, correct? It is. Um, Shot right up my debuts. It's at the list. top of your list? Um, I think it's number three. It's up there? I think it's number three. Arctic's yeah. number one. Oh, right, right. Jeez, what's number two? What's your number one? And Elephant uh, Sitting Still? So that's my number two. So then this is number three. Got me. it. Yeah. Um... You were super positive on it, correct? I really like this movie. Yeah. Quite a bit. I, I, I liked this movie. I, I do, um, I did find it that it was maybe a little too quirky for its own good for me. Um, yeah, I think you saw a lot. I think you found more self-referentiality in it than I did. I noticed that when I was reading your review, like you, you specifically mentioned how you see, um, uh, I don't remember his name telling his telling Danny Glover what's happening on the TV. Oh yeah. To be like a communication of them telling us what's happening in the story. And you might be right. I just, I didn't, I wasn't in that frame of mind when I watched this film. Well, it was, it wasn't like, I, I kind of regret calling out that particular detail. It's more that like, I do think there is like a good number of beats that are just meant to, pluck the heartstrings um yeah. that um ultimately i think just are a little bit more than what i might have needed i think the material was kind of getting me there and i actually thought the um the style to some extent kind of like distanced me from what was really beneath rather than kind of like bringing me more into it um but uh so you thought that the form didn't accentuate the screenplay a little bit for for me, it did feel just a little airless, a little um, too precious in a way. Um, well, it I'm, certainly is that. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think the cinematography is gorgeous, um, but you know, I feel like I could kind of list, eh, maybe not list, but there are just there are just you know moment after moment here that I think are meant to be um, so quaint um, uh, that I just I don't respond to that in a great way, I guess. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. What, what about you? I like this movie. <laughs> I, I think that I, I would agree with you, but I forgive it. Mm. And it is precious, right? Cause Joe Talbot is best friends with Jimmy fails whose life it's based on, mm. or it's his life who it's based on. Um, and so I, I think that, yeah, it, it he couldn't kill all his darlings in this. Mm-hmm. But I still think that it's a it's a screaming directorial debut. And if this is his one-off of like something that's way too precious for him, I'm excited to see the stuff that's not too precious. I agree. You like, know? yeah, I would rather like a movie be a little too much than not enough, because then you know that they can kind of like, or in my opinion, once they maybe loosen up a little bit, it can start to just feel spontaneous. And yet they, you know, can hold on to all of the, you know deliberateness that does yeah. make it really and I, I might be falsely assuming but i mean once once you make a film about your best friend with all your darlings in it like it's probably going to be pretty easy for you to kill him in the future like mm-hmm. especially if he writes his own screenplay it's not going to be nearly as intimate to him next time or if he adapts a screenplay that someone else wrote like it won't be as near and dear and he'll have a clear authorial vision visually that i think is really really inviting yeah like i think yeah. that that style is almost close to um geez what's what's our homeboy from um oof, if beale street could talk mm. barry jenkins barry jenkins it's in that barry jenkins uh visual styling where it doesn't matter how challenging the subject matter is because the presentation is so yeah. sumptuous that it transcends age and its communication and i feel like like almost anybody could watch that movie and come away understanding it. Now, whether or not they like it is different, but that's, that's unique where everybody can understand the visual communication. And I, I really liked that about what he did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I could definitely see Barry Jenkins in here. And I did spend like a lot of time trying to figure out like, why did I like so overwhelmingly respond to if Bill Street could talk and then find myself ultimately very positive on this one but like but considerably cooler and it it is just because i think i wouldn't have described if beale street could talk as quaint or quirky i mean that 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 is deeply romantic and i think like the the stylistic reference points there are super different like you think it's irony uh you think uh like black Black man's beale doesn't have any irony correct this does this film does have irony it has to have irony yeah because it's a criticism of the world we live in currently whereas beale street is like a romanticization and the worst parts of like a past that we have and so there it's kind of it's a totally different thing even though it's both on they're both on earth they're both about people of color it's still a different conversation yeah yeah um and I think, like, the the formal choices here, I think, do sort of thematically, like, make sense that, like, this this feels like sort of the idea of actually owning this house feels, like, too dreamy to actually come true. Um, 
uh, I just I just think it could have eased up a little bit um, and let a little bit more air in, um, which sounds super vague. But uh, well, you just get up on your soapbox and (laughs) you preach. (laughs) Yeah, I I think I've also heard people say it reminds them of Spike Lee. I think that's the kind of thing that sounds like Spike Lee when you get those touches like the guy in the soapbox and you and you feel a little more anger in this movie Mm -hmm. that feels more like spike lee than the the romanticism of barry jenkins yeah um but i mean i would say even more than those two like the um quaintness of it makes me think more of like a wes anderson in terms of its production design Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing Uh, especially when you're in the house and you're seeing some of that old-fashioned decor and the uh performance that the friend does montgomery um that felt wes andersonian to me um but in a more sentimental kind of way i think i i think you could say it's wes anderson-esque or whatever but like it's it's still classic though like one guy playing two characters it's a one-man show like it's you know, it's it's deeper. It's more artistically. It's got more artistic history than than Anderson's filmography to me. Yeah, like it, yeah. it spoke to me quite a bit deeper, especially the um, just the subject matter of like someone dying from a gunshot for no good reason. And then what's that? What's the line that uh, Jimmy Sales says um, or fails? Um, People aren't just one thing. Mm. It's a great line. It it's a one. showstopper. Yeah, uh, there there are a couple of those. Um, uh, the one on the bus, right when he's talking to the girls, talking about um, I forget you how can't he leads hate up to it, it if you don't love it. Yeah, that's the punchline. Um, and it is like under it does feel like underlined as a punchline, but I also felt like it earned it. I'm yeah, like, yeah, it that that works. Yeah, you're right. And, and like the way, so like the way that 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 bus scene was shot. Like that, that had some vibrancy to it. That had like a, a percussiveness where it was like, like I see something deeper there that I'd like to see Talbot do again and again and again. Like I, there, he's got, yeah. he's good at rhythm. Yeah. When it's yeah. not too precious, and that didn't feel too precious. You know. I would agree. Like it's, uh, that is definitely one scene that I think worked better for me than um, maybe some of the skateboarding scenes mm-hmm. that that are a little more swoony. Um, but it's it's pretty cool the first time that he jumps on the back and there's two of them skateboarding. And it is. Like, what the hell am I watching? It is, and it it and it isn't for me. It it did feel just a little, a little sugary in some way. Um, little trubic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does look good. Like I I I, uh, I can tell you who who shot it, but I I do think the cinematography is pretty uh, spectacular. And what do you think about the um the alternate world? Uh, where like the only way that we get to understand that it's supposedly a different world is because there's a three-eyed fish oh uh you say more about what you're thinking here i I don't quite know it's just like there i've read people that think that it's a totally different world and that's our one clue to it Hmm. and i i think that it's a nice little um it's like a get out of jail free card uh, almost for the film where it's like we have three eyed fish in our San Francisco Bay. Oh. And I, 
and I also think that it's maybe a criticism of San Francisco currently in like the trash and oh, the yeah, waste yeah. and everything. Yeah, that was my interpretation was was maybe too literal, just that it was from the uh, waste. Yeah, right? I guess that's what the the soapbox guys well, preach about the, um, right? is the nuclear waste. Yeah, so yeah. so I think that that is what people point to, and then they equivalent it with um, "sorry to bother you." Oh yeah, and to yeah. me, I I mean, I get the correlations there, but it's more blind spotting to me than it is sorry yeah. to bother you. Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, it is kind of funny how how like overtly all three of those movies are using like their individual styles to try to make the point. Like I almost about class in California. Yeah, and gentrification. It's interesting. Yeah, I'm almost kind of ready for like a more realist take on this um which is weird i'm usually one to not maybe go that direction and kind of prefer something that is using its style in a really specific way but there is something like so real about the issue like i kind of want a realist take yeah Uh, not that the content here is unrealistic and and when you say do you mean like a ken burns documentary or do you mean like like a like a steven soderbergh realism type of a film about it um yeah it's a good question who would i want to direct um definitely not a documentary i mean i do want something artful with with characters to get into like you know the the emotional truth not just the social truth you know i can can read we get that in the news um well (laughs) maybe that's uh that was maybe a little too much yeah yeah um but uh yeah, I don't know. Someone who's um, who, who's whose style is just pulled back a little bit more. Um, no one comes to mind though. Uh, not really. I'm trying to think about like the real like social realists of American directors right now. Um, I'm kind of blanking. Anyone okay. come to mind? For me, I mean, Soderbergh's always been the guy that I see doing any project with realism. You know, like, it won't be real, but it'll feel real. Yeah. Um, Then maybe, like, a Joe Wright. Oh, yeah. See, see, see him, I think think of him as kind of a dramatist, and a good, like, a good one. Um, Maybe, like, a Jeff Nichols? Um, oh goodness i mean he's a little bit more of um, you can't put jeff nichols in california i know that's not really his it's not his geography i guess no he's the middle of america yeah yeah um i don't know i i I still like it as is um definitely positive so what do you think about jonathan majors uh jonathan majors is the friend correct i do like who does the two-man show Jonathan Majors is very good. I think the most of the cast is very good. I like... Is Jimmy Fails the actor and character? Um, he's... Yes, he's the lead actor. Yeah. Who uh, departs. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're they're both uh, super good. I agree that they're both super good, but I will say Jonathan Majors is, like, ultra super good. Like, he's so? amazing good. Like, he might be my MVP of the year good. Ooh-wee. He's very, very good. Um, I praise The you. emotional communication that that guy does with his face and just the the way that all the wrinkles and like like he makes the whole face work for him and when he says things they feel i don't know it's yeah i'm very excited by him 
this has been a good yeah. year for actors that I've not seen before. Yeah, yeah. Um, which he's not new, but he was new to me, right? Yes, um, exactly. I, I don't think I've seen him in anything else. Um, definitely a high note, no doubt. All right, are we on to Chernobyl? On to Chernobyl. Let's do it. I'm pleased to report that the situation in Chernobyl is stable. In terms of radiation, I'm told it's the equivalent of a chest x-ray. No, Chernobyl is on fire. And every atom of uranium is like a bullet, penetrating everything in its path. Metal, concrete, flesh. Now Chernobyl holds over three trillion of these bullets. Some of them will not stop firing for 50,000 years. Five hours, Chernobyl. That's right. Let's get in. Okay. Uh, we're both pretty positive on this, I believe. Yes. Four and a half from me, four from you, if I'm recalling correctly. That is correct. Um, watched it. I did one episode on the first day, two the next day, two the next day. How about you? Just stretch it out? Or um, to binge it? I watched... Episode one, and then three days later, watched the rest of it over three days. Yeah. But I I would just, like, leave after a scene was done. I mm. wouldn't necessarily finish an episode. I I like to let miniseries, um, right, I like to try to test the, the metal of miniseries when I watch them by, by watching them in a way that they weren't purposefully broken up. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's, that's, like, a thing that I've learned to do as a taste test of, like, how cohesive is the vision? And the vision is very cohesive here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, um, like, how else are you going to know, like, the endings with Chernobyl episodes are so good. They're so emotional. And yeah. the transition into the next episode, like, that's where you figure out how good their transitions are. And that's how I found out Mad Men's transitions are, like, mm-hmm. the best. Because the end of an episode will directly play into the following episode, even though those things aired a week apart. Oh, yeah. It's very so satisfying. That's that's one of the lessons I learned. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was very solid. Um I'm maybe a little surprised with um you know the with the praise it's gotten. Um I am most definitely positive I on it. I agree. Yeah. Um I mean I, it's I, like I, these people haven't watched Mr. Robot or Legion or Mosaic. It it does feel like like or the OA or Fosse Verdon or Yeah, it it feels about as much like it, you know, prestige TV as anything else. It's just particularly solid, but I, I don't know that I would say like it ever like really took me by surprise in terms of like what it's like doing with the format. Um, I just think like it's a really articulate, sharp narrative kind of from start to finish that really gets its central kind of idea, uh, an emotional ideas across. Um, I was maybe a little cooler on like some of the uh side stories like i think it's in the fourth episode where barry uh kiwan shows up mm-hmm. um like i was a little surprised that uh people maybe didn't uh have any issues with that one not that i would say i have issues but like oh people uh, have made a bunch of issues about killing dogs on the screen yeah i mean something about you know the endangerment of kids and uh animals is always like the easiest kind of like um well it's real so i think that's the difference 
it is it is real, but it, I mean, it's it's it can still be less artistically satisfying for me. Um, that that just kind of like really felt conspicuously so do you feel like, like this was to artistic. Me. Uh, I would say artful. Um, okay. Yeah, to some nothing extent. about it really screams kind of solid, like artsy to me so much as just artsy. like yeah, like yeah. it's uncompromising in its realism, but like I don't feel like anything was framed for artistry so much as impact. Yeah, I would agree. Um, but like um as a work of drama like i think it is very effective yes um in communication of real events insofar as he was able to like emily yeah, watson's yeah. a conglomeration of who knows how many characters i think that yeah, i read right, yeah, between yeah. like 16 and 80 scientists or something yeah um and that just the central line and 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 how that uh is is quite taught from one through five i think really works um and you do you know completely aside from like what's true what's not anything that's bent with the facts just taking you know at face value what it is telling you has happened um you are very very uh or i was very very convinced of you know how rooted this was in arrogance and national ego mm-hmm. um like that is just very articulately articulately and emotionally uh, so you, you didn't see it through the political lens? Well, political for sure, but okay. um, yeah, I mean, uh, I would say there is a like political and national ego yes. at stake over uh, human concerns. Well, I almost thought that it was more about like what a state looks like when communist agenda mm. is its agenda. Definitely. It is a critique. Yes. No doubt. A pretty effective one one of my favorite scenes that communicates that about the the class problems under a communistic state is when the uh leader of the ministry of mining or coal mining has to Mm. go get the coal miners and after he like tells them the truth they agree Mm -hmm. um and then they as they walk past him they pat him and they ruin his suit with all this coal dust and it's like this is the the hands that like make the man or something there's like something very brilliant about that yeah 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 he he uh for so much of the time is able to go undirtied um and yet reap the benefits of all the dirt that they are thrown into yeah um it's a good moment um in terms of like the artistry i think i did actually really like some of the sound and some of the score um, and just kind of how often the score and the sound design kind of blend together. Like, you know, you're kind of hearing that Geiger counter on the score. Yes. Sometimes it just sounds like static to me, which is, you know, sort of like thematically is about like how sort of isolated and cut off these people are. Um, I, I, I thought it was sounded good. Like this would um, be super immersive, particularly if you saw it like with great sound. Yes. Um, you would be really in this area of um, loud destruction. Yeah. Um, which was all pretty uh, great. So, performance-wise, mm. let's start unorthodoxly with Beast's Jesse Buckley. What'd you think? You hadn't seen her in a hot minute. That's right. Uh, I haven't seen Wild Rose yet. Eager to hear... 
what you think about that. But uh, we saw her in Beast, right? I thought yep. she was great. Last year. Yeah. Was it? Yep. She's the one who just seems to keep breaking out. Um, yeah. Super solid. What'd you think? Very good. I I don't know that the cues by the camera necessarily like kept me in line with her. Mm. Um, that that side character stuff, like I feel like I got to know Barry better in his mm. brief time, like what he was about, who he was, his the the complexities that faced him, who those people were wrapping the metal around their groin for the radiation, then I did feel like I got to know Jesse Buckley, but I thought that her performance was very good for what she was given. I would agree. I think I think that that thread kind of does exactly what you expected it to do mm-hmm. for me at least but she does the very best i thought she could with it and how about stellan Skarsgård? awesome i i thought he was great he's always ready to celebrate um i do <laughs> i do think he's this funny counterpoint in a way to uh jared harris who we'll get to um and how every time it seems like Jared Harris still can't bear to lift his head up off the table. Stellan's like, ha ha, we did it. Um, and now, you know, he, he's this source of like too, a little too eagerly optimistic sometimes. Um, I liked him. So what do you think about the pivot then? It's either in episode five in the beginning or near the epi- the end of episode four when we find out that Stellan has known that they've been tapped the entire time. What do you think? I I think that what you were just talking about is a lot for show mm. for the Communist Party to mm. keep um to keep his position because he knows mm. that like he knows that he knows how bad it is and that he's like the best man who's capable for it. Basically, that whole Jared Harris speech yeah. that he gives yeah. Stellan at that point, I think in episode five, where he reassures him and tells him like you were the best man for the job. You're the only one who yeah. listened. You're the only one that let us do our jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they, uh, they work together super well. Yes. They um, do. great yeah. back and forth. Great yeah. chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Jared Harris himself thoughts. Amazing. That's why I was saving him. I wanted to get to Emily Watson first, but we could do oh, Jared no, no, no. Harris. We could do let, Jared let's Harris. wait. Let's, let's build the suspense. Okay. Emily okay. Watson. She did more for me here than she did in uh, Synecdoche. Oh, yeah, I, I would agree. I think that she got to take more ownership and like more. Um, she took up more space here, the way that it was shot. Like she commanded attention in this yeah. uh, project, I guess. And just yeah. the I don't know. I, I There's something about the way that she got to exude this character that it just I was like, yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a in a way it would be a little easy to um oversimplify that character as sort of a representation of like righteousness, you know, and and the voice of All wanting to do right. Yeah, yeah, but I I never questioned um her commitment to wanting to do this right and to um, sacrifice herself for it. Yeah. And that she truly like, the things she was saying felt real. Like, if she could say to the committee and have them hear the way that Jared Harris could, then she would. Yeah. But she, and she still tried in the court scene, you know? Like, that's, I don't know. There's a great energy to her. Yeah. Agreed. And I would think that's just 
hypothesizing that that's just extra difficult um, when you don't have a clear reference point, and she is this amalgamation. But um, also, maybe you get more freedom. That's true. I mean, because I she's—I don't know if that's harder or easier. Yeah, um, like she's trying to honor all these different people, but also like put her own stamp on it. Yeah, she has the opportunity to create a little yeah. bit, which is interesting. Um, now back to J.H. Jerry Harris, go. the very big man. Good. Very, very good. So good. Um, I, as you know, recently finished Mad Men for the umpteenth time. Mm. I'm in the middle oh, yeah. still of watching the terror. Jared mm. Harris is everywhere for me, and he's just so impeccably good, so consistent, so. Um, he's emotional, but he's he's strong. He's like Emily Watson in that he commands presence, but he doesn't take up space so much as draw you to him. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because, like, a lot of what he is tasked with doing is explaining things, um, like, in a way that is not the most thrilling um, kind of content to, but it's, to work with. But it's his reaction and the way that he physically manifests that explanation. That, yeah. Like, when, um in episode two, when Skarsgård asks him to tell him what a nuclear reactor is. Yeah, yeah. And how he, like, gets kind of passionate about it and, like, explaining it. Yeah. And then Skarsgård says, well, I don't need you. The way that he reacts to that is everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you can always really see in his eyes him thinking, okay, how, how can I simplify this for you? Um, in a way that is, that is not too obviously just for our benefit. Um, yeah. he, he is really trying to get these people to understand. Yeah, Very he's, convincing. he's just transformative. Like, he, yeah. he becomes, or rather, I project onto him who he's playing. Like, yeah. he's no longer Jared Harris. He is Jared Harris, who is this person. Yeah. Yeah. In a very unique way. We're like, Michael Shannon just is Michael Shannon. Tom Cruise just is Tom Cruise. Jared Harris is whoever Jared Harris is, in addition to being Jared Harris. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't seen him in much else recently. Um, but uh, just solid. If HBO realizes what they just had, they will probably greenlight a project with them very quickly I'll hold on to it no doubt anything else i feel like there's probably a lot else but it's big it seems like a natural stopping point that way we can get to uh to the shiny part let's do it let's take a trip dude she needs a therapist you've been wanting out of this stupid relationship for like a year now and don't forget about all of the beautiful swedish women you'll meet in june okay guys that's not her again. Seriously? Babe, what's happening? Danny. I was so very sorry to hear about what happened. I'm sorry. Midsommar. Last title of the episode. The second so- feature from director Ari Aster. I think it was it was a couple episodes ago we were talking about how I think Hereditary was like our combined favorite from last year across our two lists. Mm-hmm. I felt like this was a big movie, um, which I think we were both very, very positive on. I think me more than you. I think that's accurate. Um, is this did this bolt to the top of your list for the year? This is number two for feature film, number three, three or four for film. She erred for in total. I'm trying to remember. Arctic might be above it, so it'd go Arctic above it, 
and above that is the OA, and above that is Fosse Verdon with um, Climax. But I haven't seen Midsommar for a second time. Climax is the only thing I've seen um, two times and three times on my list. Three times? You, I've, you've... I've seen it three times. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, so, so you got a deep familiarity with that one. Yeah, like, it. I know for sure what Climax is to me, and I yeah. don't, like, the two that could keep going up are Midsommar and um, Don Quixote, whereas ah. I think that everything else is subject to falling. Yeah, yeah. They got room to go. Yes. Uh, all right. So I would like to open this with a quote from Will Poulter. Oh, okay. On the Empire podcast. Oh. In which he describes his project, Midsommar, as a psychedelic fireworks display in the daytime. Ooh, that's nice. I heard him say that, and I said, I'm going to write that down. That's a pretty good summation. Of, of what, what happens. Yeah. Of what yeah. you visually uh, infer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is definitely one that I I felt more so than um like processed like this mm-hmm. hit me in a very kind of like primal way like i almost think more about like just how this like affected my breath in the act of watching it um than uh like how i was making sense of everything just because i think it is so tight and um uh kind of suspenseful moment it's to moment. interesting that it's shorter than crawl yeah right <laughs> <laughs> it's the kind of movie that like i was just so in it that even though it is like so dreadful and like in, full of anxiety i still did not want it to end like yes. i'm still just so thrilled by it uh from and scene thankful scene. yeah yeah um uh but yeah it sounds like we've responded to different things is that correct perhaps from from our reviews um remind me yeah, so I think I definitely responded more to the surface of the thing. Oh, I love so. the surface. I love the surface, and I think the surface is what makes the depth that Ari created so fascinating. Yeah, and I think, like, I ended up spending a little more time, even though I love this movie, uh, I ended up spending a little more time thinking about what was holding me back from like fully embracing it just because it took me a while, a little while to try and kind of figure that out. Mm-hmm. And I think that was more because I, I'm not sure that uh, the, the the psychology of the characters and the relationships were as fleshed out as I really thought the movie was telling me that they were. But So something interesting about that statement to me is that we say, like, I don't know if a character's fleshed out psychologically. And Mm -hmm. I I think I get where you're coming from. Like, I think I get that statement, and I think I'll make it sometimes. Mm -hmm. But with this project, I think that our characters are not psychologically fleshed out, meaning they're not psychologically mature. And I think that Mm -hmm. that is the very nature of the film. Like... Two of these people are in a toxic relationship with each other. One of these people is a... He plays the jester character, which is visually depicted. And in his actions is kind of a piece of shit. Although I often sided with him and laughed at his mirth. Yeah. Um, the Cheaty, who I only know is Cheaty. Yeah. But it's Cheaty. Y- you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. He seems like this very good fellow. But mm-hmm. he's kind of a piece of shit. 
like ultra competitive um very egoistic like wants to own his thing doesn't want anybody else touching his thing and then our most agreeable character who is the fellow who invited them Mm. is actually the most nefarious yeah so i to me like it's a it's a great psychological play and it's more shakespearean than um than humanistic or realistic but it still has all the psychological attributes of truth yeah it well underpinning to me it 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 was suggestive of sort of like of its kind of like human interest because i think it ends on such or it begins on such a kind of like relatable note like she's gone through this terrible tragedy and what he might have been able to break up with her and now feels maybe particularly unable to do so um but like whether or not i can characterize it as toxic like i don't know that the movie gave me enough to really um how do i say this i think there was just too much like passiveness between them i agree for me to really describe it as toxic like he forgets i'm not saying he's a good boyfriend i think he's a bad boyfriend i think that's the genius of it because i think that a lot of people that are in toxic relationships right now also are doing that they don't know that it's toxic it's it's this passive thing where Mm. they feel it and they don't know it for sure and you never know it for sure while you're in it or if you do you're working out when to break up yeah right yeah and so that's that's why to me it speaks to a deeper truth where it's like because we are stupid because we are selfish because his moment of saying i don't know if i can do better than her what if i want her back that is mm. deep truth where it's like maybe he's not with her because he loves her. Maybe he's with her because he's scared. And maybe he's too immature to say that. Yeah, but I don't know that I can realize that. I don't know that there was enough like substantive interaction between them that I could really point to any anything and say. And that's I, the other thing. There's no interaction between them. Right. Like, and I, I, I think that's evasive. That I, I, I think that's less satisfying to me. Like to me, that's like an evasive you want it more way. Upfront. It's an evasive way of maybe making a point about um, the passive nature of a, of a relationship when the ultimate point is maybe about transformation. Is it though? It sounds like you don't think so. I think that this film is as diverse in its uh, in, in how we choose to interpret it as we choose. I think it's like mother. I think it's like it comes at night. It's it's largely whatever you want it to be. The one thing we yeah. know is that it's about death, and it's about um, perhaps cult, if you'd like. It's yeah. definitely about ritual, and it's um, it's about um, how we feel. But I I think that that I won't even deign to assert that the film happened. After she drinks the first thing of tea. There's no evidence mm. that that's not just a mushroom trip for her. And that's the other thing that I like about this film. Like it has layers and layers and layers. Is that what you do you think you think it was a a trip? I don't. But I think that ye, I think that it could be. And I think yeah. that's why I like this movie because it has that many layers. Because, like, I still have to get a rune book out before I go watch it again so that I can brush up on what all the rune meanings are 
and figure out which ones are upside down, which ones are straight up and try to actually interpret the movie. Cause like when they're sitting um, at those tables, those are lined up in a rune. And I mm-hmm. want to know what that rune is. And if, if he changes the way he visually depicts it before Will Poulter gets led off into the woods and killed. Um, yeah. Like I, like there's, there's a lot to this thing. There's a lot to it. And I think that um, personally, I think that Ari Aster knows exactly who those characters were and they are real people who we don't approve of, which is exactly what he was going for. And why a lot of people are saying like, it doesn't make sense or like they're weak or what, like they are people we don't approve of. That's what he did. He made a story about people we don't approve of in a relationship that we don't quite know if it's toxic or not. Um, I think that it's definitely toxic and they just don't know it, but you know, like there's, there's an infinite amount of layers to this thing and we can what you see as a weakness i see as as a uh a strength because of what it does for me character wise as yeah as the character building and in, in the uh the subtlety underneath yeah 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 i definitely i assumed that this did kind of in fact happen i i read the mushroom trip the first one since there is a lot of drug in this uh as mainly an indication of um, her instability, just mm-hmm. cueing us for um, how easy it is for her to fall off her axis. And then every time uh, drugs are um, resurfacing, um, we're sort of ready to um, see her fall off her axis again. Um, so I think I maybe did take that literally. Um, and I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying there might be like it might another be way both. of looking at it. Yeah. yeah. Why not think, why not interpret it in as many ways as possible? Because it's clearly one of those. That's well, the I would thing. like to be able to, but like, that's what I'm not sh- like. I, I wish I could. I don't know that I see that. Quite so, you know, much, in but... biblical scripture, how like everybody interprets it differently. Yeah. Well, in the Eddas, they're interpreted differently. The different, different translators interpret different meanings to things. Um, they translate the runes differently. And to me, this is a this this is almost a biblical story about five people who get lost, or rather, five people, four of whom get lost, and the complexities of how you want to interpret their story. Like, mm. do you want to make it be Chidi's fault that he was so blind that he was the only one that had the knowledge that could tell them that they needed to leave? Mm. Do you want it to be? florence's fault that everyone dies or that that jack yeah. dies like do you want it to be will poulter's fault like what i think we can project what we want onto these characters in a very special way just like in the eddas where you're kind of interpreting deep characters that are almost shakespearean um in that they can be whatever you want this time and next time you watch it if you decide that she's on a mushroom trip and that everything's a nightmare that will change the way that you see the story. And I think that's cool. I don't think it's right. I just think it's yeah. cool. Yeah. It, maybe it's that like the interactions we, we do get between Danny and Christian, you know, like he, he forgets her birthday. That's one not high point for him. Uh, he kind of pressures her into doing the drugs. Um, they're the kinds of interactions that like they don't imply to me as much about like what they've really been uh at like what they've really been like as a couple 
um, and how they kind of got to this point where um, the relationships kind of run out of gas. And I guess I can't, I just don't see, I, I'm having trouble reading that ending as in any other way than her realizing she, uh, he is not good for her. And I think that there's something not quite gradual enough about her getting to that point. So maybe I just need to read that ending differently. Um, does that make sense? I mean, I'm hearing you. Your yeah. words made sense. I, <laughs> I don't know that I understand, though. Because, so you're saying that when she wins May Queen and walks in on him plowing another girl with a whole bunch of naked girls around him helping him and chanting with her that that's not enough for her to be out of her mind in addition to all the drugs that she's on i i think it um i wouldn't say that there's much nuance to it um you know him yeah her caught her catching her in the act like yes that is terrible i don't think but i don't know that there's that much complexity to like what that means for um the relationship in the context of this tragedy she's undergone like maybe it has to do with like the the interplay between the relationship and that which is also like this big sort of jumping off point for the movie i think i figured out our difference mm-hmm. you see this film as extremely self-referential to itself and its characters and I see it more as a story about metaphorical truth where like these characters are silhouettes mm. that we can package our identities and our projections into and mm. like w- use it as a scripture, use it as a poem, use it as a folktale, use it as a fairy tale, use it as something to understand ourselves better. And I think that you maybe want more self-referentiality to the process of Danny decaying. And, and what I find interesting is that, like, to me, Nat Wolf doesn't do that in Hereditary. If anything, Tony Collette's the closest to cataloging the breakdown, but then she becomes a side character. Oh, but, like, I, right? I wish... Like, as soon as Gabriel Byrne is burnt by the book, yeah. Tony Collette's mm-hmm. a side character up on the ceiling. It's True. all about Nat yeah. Wolf then. And, like, all you know about Nat is that he accidentally killed his sister. Yeah, arguably. And, and like, then he becomes payment through like an absurd piece of cinema. And I mean, to me, that ending is also an absurd piece of cinema. And so I, I don't quite see why one works and one doesn't. If we're Because I know that you liked Hereditary. And I know you didn't criticize these things in Hereditary. So what is it, what is it here that's different for you? What are you projecting onto it? I do, I do think I was very, very satisfied with... Um, the interactions between Tony Collette and Alex Wolf in Hereditary, like that dinner oh, table scene. Oh, it's Alex scene. Wolf, not Nat Wolf. Shit. But there is Nat Wolf is somebody else. Yeah, they're right? brothers. Oh, are they? Look exactly oh, the mind same. blown. And they have the okay. same Alex mole. Is it Alex Wolf? I don't know which Wolf it is. I think it's. We'll Alex just say Wolf. Wolf. Okay. Um, like the scene in the dinner table at the dinner table in Hereditary, where Tony Collette's clearly angry with him. Um, she's being sort of passive aggressive and he's saying, you know, you know, what the hell mom, if you have something to say it, just say it, you know, the combination there, there's so much I see in him about his guilt over what happened, his anger with his mom about her not being honest with him about her anger, her being conflicted because she's still 
his son and yet she's so angry with him there is never i don't know that i can really point to a moment between danny and christian that just said wow i just learned so much about them as as a couple like what they add up to together um that is quite as rewarding um and i i think for that to feel really cathartic that she has um finally been able to let them let him go i might have needed to know more about like what they did mean to each other um well i think we know what they meant to each other he's scared so he's with her and she's um going through tragedy and so she needs her support system yeah yeah and and I, I don't know. I This might be a statement. It might be a question. I don't know what I'm going to say yet, necessarily. But I know what I'm going to talk about. So, to me, Danny is a daughter of two people who has a sister who is violently bipolar, manically depressive, possibly schizophrenic. We have no evidence that she does not have those problems as well. Danny? Yes. Mm. And so I do not see her character as someone who is mentally healthy. And so mm. when she when she behaves like someone who's mentally healthy and Jack Rayner is the one that acts like a dick, when she says, let's sit down, let's talk about this. When she's forgiving him for doing something that is basically unforgivable, deciding to go on a trip in like two oh, yeah. days and not telling his long-term serious girlfriend... <laughs> that he's going on a trip for two and a half months or whatever. Like, and the way that she's reacting to that, the way that she's reacting is the way that we project someone healthy acting, but that's not actually mm. the way that someone that loves someone would act towards them um, on both accounts, Jack mm. and Danny. So there's, there's a weird sickness happening between them. And I don't think that Jack necessarily is healthy, but I think definitely that Danny is not mentally fit. I think she's mentally unwell. And I think that it could be the grief, but she could have um, genetic disorders that are passed down or she could just have innate problems that are deep like that. And going on those trips, right? We know microdosing is good for people. And so that's what's interesting is like, is what's best for her burning everything away that's bad? It's, I, I don't, like it works at so many different levels that I I think that what you see as a weakness, I see as an opening to interpret it differently and deeper, like it almost yeah, at yeah. every facet. But I'm projecting a lot into this, into these characters in this film. And so if yeah, you want the film yeah. to speak to you, I don't think it's doing that the way that Hereditary did. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, like I, I don't know. I, 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 I felt like there wasn't quite enough for me to project onto in terms of their psychology i guess um now i'm just starting to say the same thing over and over you run out of ways to say it yeah. after a certain well point. i mean it also <laughs> it, it could be because like i've read the eddas very recently mm. so like this i don't it doesn't feel like an old story to me it feels like like a or it feels it feels familiar yeah i already know yeah. this story yeah. i already know this stuff so I guess let's let's get into the artistry of it. Let's get into yeah. Ari Aster's directing. Let's get into the dioramic the panning. Stuff. Let's get into the hammering away. Um, 
what do you think about all that jazz all fantastic 100 percent on board with the movie in that sense hence the like art direction yeah yeah um yeah i mean it's kind of hard to like just pick stuff out because it's kind of like every scene that i kind of love but um you know it's just images that are are just like not gonna go away for ever maybe um florence in that may queen dress just perfectly centered oh it's good um the the scene of her finally breaking down after catching him in the act um that one's oh, pretty unforgettable. All the break down with her. Yeah, yeah. Which is like it's just beautifully edited because we just saw all of the uh, women in the breeding hut yeah. doing the breathing yeah. as well. So, oh man. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about the breath? Uh, I mean, I think that is a big sort of like source of some of some of the anxiety in it. Um, so, do you like the breath? uh motif, yeah where like they oh keep definitely okay. a lot of people didn't so i didn't know where you did oh. on that yeah yeah um it. no i mean to me i think like that just taps into something very sort of physical even though like it's used in a ritual sense mm-hmm. here um just like in um in hereditary the the girls you know starting to choke right after the, the allergic reaction that's something to, that's just so instinctively physically relatable um it is about the not being able to catch your breath human. yeah yeah i think um those those bodily touches are kind of impossible not to just react to um and i personally like like that like a lot of these things feel like they were right out of hereditary like they came out so close together like i think these are like openly openingly sort of um you know working off of each other not thematically, I think they're actually in thematically. I think they are in some ways, but I think like the technique is remarkably similar. Yeah, I think that his visual flourishes as a director are absolutely similar. But if we're talking about narrative playing off each other, I might disagree. I think that there's similarities. I think that he could be working through the same. All artists are always working through the same stuff. Yeah. But to me, the the comparisons that I've gone to is uh, Mimic was made after Cronus. Mm-hmm. Full Metal Jack was made after The Shining. Both yeah. of those movies are very similar thematically, um, like about the nature of uh, like what they're talking about. The Shining is talking about horror and and murder of family and, and those types of things and having terrible visions. Full Metal Jacket mm. is talking about murder and terror and like what it means to America, which is kind of a family, right? Cronus and Mimic, same things with monsters. Um, and so to me, it's like he's he is doing the same thematic stuff, but I think that the films might in nature need to stand alone and not be compared to each other. I do think, I mean, every movie deserves to be considered on its own terms. But like, they both like begin with. Besides the souvenir, they both begin with a major tragedy. Mm -hmm. She ends up as a queen, May Queen. He ends up as King Paimon. They're both kind of about how how the tragedy affects a relationship. I see a lot of synergy in a good way between them. Whereas Full Metal Jacket's a war movie. I agree. I I think we get 
I think we get a lot out of understanding them together in, in synthesis. Like seeing Full Metal Jacket back to back with The Shining, I think we can understand Kubrick better. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I also think that each needs to be held alone. And I think The Shining and Full Metal Jacket got that treatment. I think Mimic and Cronus get that treatment. I'm yeah. worried that I'm not seeing Midsommar get treated as separate from Hereditary, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I personally uh, welcome the comparison. Um, well, I mean, we, we should compare them. Maybe not even. But we should also let them be it. their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, like, I, I wouldn't feel that compelled to watch The Shining after watching Full Metal Jacket. Because the the subject, maybe not the subject matter, but the uh, the look and feel of it, I think is 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 different. One's in a hotel, one's at war. Um, what the characters are going through in uh, Hereditary Midsummer are are quite similar, mm-hmm. right? But um, to me, like the uh, the darkness of Hereditary stands in stark contrast to the the daylight of Midsummer. Yeah, yeah. So like Color while while they're visually. Um, lit differently or the colors different Mm. the directorial style to me is similar and i don't know how similar Mm. it is with full metal jacket and the shining you know that might be a comparison worth looking into yeah yeah um favorite scenes i don't know ones that are really like just stuck in your gut favorite scenes florence Pugh trying to get jack rayner to sit down and have a conversation with her Mm-hmm. that just screamed humanity yeah. and and i don't i just i felt f- every time florence has a close-up yeah every single person that said uh this actress from lady Macbeth is going to be a great actress oh, yeah is looking like a genius right now that's such a good movie that's that, that i would say this and that are still my are my two favorite performances from her um I don't you, were you not a fan of that one I no no I didn't really? like Lady Macbeth. Oh, I don't think I knew that. I think that all the I think that it's fine. I think the performances were great. I think the film's fine. Got it. It's Fair kind enough. of like um, Skarsgård thing she was in. Yeah, I was a little cooler on that one. Yeah, it's yeah. it's fine. Performances yeah. are good. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, oh, Cheaty getting smacked in the face. Chidi got clapped upside the dome pretty hard. Um, also, the Blood Eagle. Uh, oh, yeah, the the British guy who gets opened up. Mm-hmm. Looks real bad. I, I think that just because it's it feels like an, uh, like a moving tapestry where I, I mm. have a hard time separating things, I think, in this movie. To me, it's all woven mm. together. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that's so funny you say that. Like, I think I felt that way about Hereditary because of of how, like, and you this... watched Hereditary twice. I did watch Hereditary, okay, twice, which is fair. And I also saw this two weeks ago. We watched Hereditary a year ago. It's a little early, you know, to be getting too into it. But I found like the 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 form to really interact with the content in Hereditary in a way that this didn't do it quite the same way. But the style itself might be even more. That's my uh, question. Where exciting. does form end? When you say form, where does it end? Are you just talking about the cinematography and the camera work? Uh, no, I think that's production design and... Is it art design too? Yeah, that's form. Okay. Yeah, 
where because I to me yeah. this is the richest like this is richer like if in you, terms of how the and in terms of how form and content interact yes and really in what what comes to pass that was already alluded to in the art mm. that we see like if you remember in the beginning there's there's the um edda portrait of the group on each side and the doors oh, yeah. slide open and that basically yeah, yeah, yeah. like informs the entire story that you're gonna see plot wise yes yeah but yeah. also it looks beautiful so it tells yeah. you what's gonna yeah. happen it tells you the journey but it also looks beautiful while it does it and i think that that's yeah. exactly what the film does yeah i which is maybe like you know i think i think i've heard people say that oh yeah what's so beautiful is that the exposition is on the walls mm-hmm. and i like that at the same time like it is telling me about the plot and not the people well, that's the thing. The the people, I don't know yet because I haven't done it, but I'm going to do my rune book and then go in and watch and see how the people are informed mm. by the runes. Yeah. Because there yeah. is a lot of rune work going on constantly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I still like that very much. I would still rather my exposition be on the walls than, than just read to me, no doubt. Um, As yeah. they say, the writing's on the wall. Yeah. Uh, Jack Rayner, super good. I thought he was fantastic. I mean, everyone here is good, and obviously Florence Pugh is, I think, the best, but, um... You cared uh, for Rayner? I think I cared more for Poulter. Oh, he's funny, too. I, I do like Will Poulter. Um, but, uh... Just that nice looming shot of his socks pulled up over his jeans. Oh, yeah, that's tics. nice. <laughs> Lyme disease is no joke. <laughs> the comedy. Did you laugh? I laughed so much. Me, too. I thought... That's one of the other things about this. I think that it was a bit of an investigation into the absurdity of the line between horror and comedy. Or like like laughter and, and shrieking or something like mm. that. Like the things that make you want to scream are just a hair's breadth away from the things that make you want to cry from laughter. Um, I, I, it just, this is a genius film to me. It has yeah. the possibility to be as good as on my list is climax and it's not it's probably not going to fall off from the top 10 yeah i would agree i do think in a tonal sense this is even more impressive to me than hereditary because it does uh walk the line between those uh so finely um hereditary is uh not i shouldn't say just scary because it is really freaking scary but um there's like a more complicated tone yeah, it walks a little bit harder. Where does this walks the line? Right on the edge of a cliff, you might say. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else? Any other um, thoughts? So you directly referenced Zoller? Yeah. It sure felt like a little Zoller-esque to me. Right. When, when the bodies start hitting the floor. <laughs> the, uh, the use of prop and, and uh, makeup and just to, to tell a gore story visually mm-hmm. without making it feel like I'm seeing CG. Mm-hmm. That's totally new. Yeah, I would agree. And to me, like, there is, like, a little artifice to it in a way, in a way that I like. Like, sometimes I'm that thinking to myself... you. Yeah. Enough to be okay. Exactly. Um, you know, th- th- that's kind of like a separate kind of horror that is trying to be as real as possible to really just create revulsion. I mean, this is kind of revolting, but it's also giving you just enough space to think at mm-hmm. the same time. Um, and there's almost like some artistry to the uh, dismemberment, I guess, which is 
a very strange feeling. Yeah, it's the beauty of the breaking of a dead body. And maybe that's why I like the film so much. Because <laughs> it's like, it's this dead thing being broken apart. It, mm. To me, in terms of Jack and Florence's relationship. Yeah. Like, it's the desiccation of the corpse. Yeah. So, do you think she has um, kind of gone from one point to another in um, the grieving process? No. She gone, I, I don't think worse. I don't think I know yet. Yeah. I don't think I've I haven't interacted with those ideas. Yeah. I've been I've Other been stuff, mostly consumed by the idea of the film opens on a dead relationship. Mm. And one of them knows it's dead but is scared to leave. The other one doesn't know it's dead and everything around her is dying. And then she gets ownership to the point to to, and sees that it's dead and then kills it mm. as you know Birds. brutally as possible and i i think that that definitely consumed that first viewing i need to watch it a little bit fresher i think i'm a weekend on it now a week and a couple days still hot off so the I, I don't know how to how to interact with that idea yet yeah of of her process because i still i'm not certain that she's mentally well in any capacity mm. she because people that are mentally well don't have as consistently bad mushroom trips and terrible nightmares as she does mm. you know like there's there's something happening there with her and i don't know that we're supposed to know or, yeah. like know exactly what it is other than what yeah. we know yeah yeah um yeah i kind of feel like because i want to like get to like a hundred out of a hundred with this i kind of want to like even though i've written all my kind of thoughts on this kind of just like throw them out and try to come at it from a different angle isn't and it maybe, interesting that this is a movie you can do that with though i think i i hope i can do that i'm hoping i can kind okay. of like put those ideas aside and maybe like you know once you kind of just get onto a certain train of thought it can be hard to sort of jump off and look at yeah. it from a different angle like i i really thought how do i sort of work out what what transformation it is that she's maybe gone through here versus maybe that she's just had a psychotic break um that's a little bleaker um and you know then i have to kind of work backwards from that yeah um but i do sort of like that as soon as this movie ends i end up sort of thinking about it like in reverse to try to kind of make sense of it um so it's fun to me when i sat down it was like for some reason with this movie, it just, it is itself. And I'm with it in whatever timing it's on. Mm. Like, and I'm not like bringing any extra stuff to it. Like I, I didn't have expectations, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm. Like I wasn't waiting for the next beat to happen. I was just mm. kind of letting it engulf me and what it wanted to do. And I think that if I sit back down, I can get back into that. It's almost, it's kind of a flow state, you know, where you're just, you're letting it hit you as it's going to hit you and you have no projections on what it needs to do. Yeah. Yeah. In the like extended cut that, uh, you know, supposedly will be released at some point. I think what? I heard like, there's like a three hour cut that he's, he's ultimately yes. going to put out <laughs> that awesome. one. I, from what he's like said about it, I think maybe will get me there because supposedly he said like one of the scenes that was really hard for him to cut out was a scene where she does, 
like kind of explode at him. Um, and uh, oh, so she gets why. some agency. And, yeah, right. Yeah. I, I'll just be very interested to see how that plays. Now I'm having a thought. Why? Why does this not work where the souvenir does? Uh, in what way? I mean, I, I, I do think they actually are really fun as, like, uh, unhealthy relationship yeah. movies. Well, um, I mean, they're they're toxic yeah. relationships yeah. where the girls don't seem to be taking enough agency. I had more of a problem with the souvenir than you did. You're having more yeah. of a problem with Midsommar than I am. Yeah. What do you think the difference is for you? Yeah, to me, I think it has to do with, like... The, the kind of fragmented structure of the souvenir and, and just how much it feels not like this is something taking place for the first time, but that it is something being remembered um, so that the, you might describe Julia as a little passive or naive or willfully blind to how terrible he is. But there's something very satisfying about how you you I feel the film sort of reflecting on that. That's on where itself. like the okay. action is. Um, whereas this, I, I'm reading this as an artist telling me something about a character, yes. um, which, you know, it's just a different kind of thing. Um, I think that's what it is. Okay. But I love them both. I do. I promise. Which one do you love more? The souvenir. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I did think to myself, uh, that I might, I might like Florence Pugh's performance even more. Um. I think I do. Yeah, uh, I, I find it just that much harder to take my eyes off her, um, especially at two and a half hours mm-hmm. um, with some really long takes like those aren't forgiving. You know, you really just uh, have to be able to like trust she's really the doing some of those dancings. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, yeah. They hit some each other pretty hard. That is some gnarly maypole dancing. It is. It is. <laughs> um, so... Do you think this is one that we'll do a, a double take on? Uh, for discussion round yeah. two, it's very possible. I would. I look forward to seeing it. I think. Yeah, it, no I doubt. think it will crop up on my list, if not on your list, at the end of the year. Very possible. So yeah, we'll have to do a revisit. Maybe maybe shoe in a, a brief update about where we're at. I think so. All right, that's a wrap. Run! We have to go. I'm coming with you. That was brilliant. You're the best and we love you! You know what that means, Michael. It's another one in the can.